Well, welcome into another week of Overcome. This series has been all about what it looks like in our lives to overcome life's challenges, which many of us are feeling right now, feeling the challenges of life. And we pray that this would be an encouragement to you to continue to overcome because Jesus has overcome. I'm Pastor Noah, I'm the student pastor here at Calvary, and I'm excited that we're going to get to explore the next step in what it looks like in our lives to overcome. You know, there are moments in your life that change really how you, how you look at life itself. I'm sure many of you have had moments like that. I, I had one of these moments a few years ago. I was a student pastor in Mississippi, that's where I'm from, and one thing that I, I love to do is um, meet with students in small groups. And so I had a group of middle schoolers that we met together for two full years every single week. And get this, we met at 6.45 in the morning at Chick-fil-A. Are y'all surprised? <laughs> y'all think the middle schoolers want to get up at 6.45, but they did. And so we met for two years like that. They, they started out um, in ninth grade, and then we ended up in 10th grade doing it. And so every Thursday morning for the first year, Friday morning for the second, we'd get together, we'd talk about life, we'd talk about Jesus, and we'd eat some Chick-fil-A. That was a nice plus. And then I would take them all to school. So their parents would bring them there in the morning, and then I'd take them all to school. They went to the same school. Well, as they grew up, it was crazy. In a year, they grew. And you know how middle schoolers can do. They start right here and they just, in, in a week it feels like, they grow so much. And, and so they had grown and it was wild to me because they, they got their driver's licenses. I mean, all this stuff started happening. One of them got a truck. And so what he started doing is, we met at the Chick-fil-A, we did our Bible study, we ate our Chick-fil-A, and then he drove himself to school so that he could drive himself home after school. And I'll never forget this day. We're driving back to school. He's in front of me in his truck. I'm in my car with, with a couple of the guys bringing them to school. And as we're going around this one specific curve, Daniel was his name. His, his truck kind of veers off the road a little bit, does a, a little turn, and ends up in the field next to us flipped over. Now, you can imagine how I was feeling in that moment. I, I was panicked, honestly. I, I was really worried about him. I didn't know what was going to happen. And so I parked my car, the other middle school estate laughed at me because I ran to that truck to check on him because it was flipped and I was really worried about him. And it's a really happy ending. It's a good story. <laughs> I heard him beating on the door. And so we got him out and, and he didn't have a scratch on him. I mean, praise the Lord. He didn't have a scratch on him, but this moment has really changed the way I view life forever because Daniel was in the prime of his life. The man was 15, he had his whole life in front of him, and in an instant, it could have been gone. In a moment, he could have been gone. That's why I ran, I was worried about him. And I think those moments in life where someone has a near-death experience, or somebody has something like that, it, it reveals to us the preciousness of life. Pastor Michael talked a few weeks ago about how life is a gift. I'll tell you, that moment showed me life is a gift and we don't need to take it for granted. And so today, the next step as we talk about what it means to overcome is that every moment matters. Every moment matters. For Daniel, his life could have never been the same. Every moment matters. That's what we're going to discover today. I really hate it that uh, COVID took some time away from us, right? 
Some people, it took away time from your job. I, I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers, and so for our seniors, I hated it because it took away the ending of their senior year. It's, it's very sad. For some of them, it took away graduations. COVID took away time for us. And so what we can do is we can sit back and say, man, I'm, I'm just so frustrated at COVID. I'm so mad. And, and that's justified. That, that's okay. But also in that, we need to realize that time that we lost during COVID, we don't just magically get back. We don't get those moments, moments back. It, it just doesn't happen. That's how time works. And so we in the right now, we in the today, we in this moment can live like every moment matters because it does. And today we're going to explore what that looks like. So today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3. If you have your Bible... I'd love for you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to be in verse number 7. And as you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little background on the book of Hebrews. So the writer of Hebrews, we're not clear who specifically wrote it, but we do know a couple things. We know that the Christians in that day were persecuted. They were in a land that did not appreciate them. We'll just say it like that. They're under this intense persecution and people are coming after them. People are throwing them in jail. And there are moments where they feel like they could just fall away from the faith. The culture that they lived in did not reflect Christ. The culture that they lived in was very, very anti the things of the Lord. And so the writer of Hebrews writes this book to encourage his people to stand strong, even when a culture around them is not reflecting Christ. And I think it is a great moment for us today to learn from this book in, in a culture that does not always reflect Christ ourselves. So let's do this. Let's stand together. In honor of God's word, we're going to read verses 7 through 19 and discover what the writer has to say for us as we see that every moment matters. Begin in verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. Where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they'll always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end, while it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Let's spend a moment and pray and just ask God to speak to our hearts. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you did not leave us with, without instruction on how we can live in this day and age. 
God, I pray that today that each of us would understand that every moment matters and that we would live out our lives with purpose, with endurance, with grace, all because of what you've done for us in Jesus. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. So we have this passage that the writer of Hebrews uh, gives to these people, and he's really talking about some, some neat things, some Old Testament stories. He's quoting from Psalm 95, which Psalm 95 is actually pulling from stuff that happened in the Old Testament. So we're going to have to go back today. Is that good with everybody? We're going to have to go back to the Old Testament and really uncover what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. So the first point that I see in this passage in verses 7 through 12 is this. Seize the moment God has given you. Seize the moment God has given you. You know that God has uniquely placed you where you are in this place in time for a purpose. There's no wasted moments with, with God. He has you where you are for a reason. And what he wants us to do is, is seize the moment. Is to seize the moment that he has given us. Get this. I have moments that you don't have. You have moments that, that I don't have. I have people in my life that I can speak into that, that you don't have. But you have people like that as well. You go to a different place of work than, than I do. You, you teenagers in the room, you go to school with different people than I ever see. We each have been given a moment in this place in time by God, and he's given it to us for a purpose. So we need to seize the moment. This story is kind of a sad one because the people of Israel, they didn't take their moment. I'm going to give you a spoiler in what we're going to talk about. The people of Israel instead rejected their moment, but let's see how we got there. So I said before, this passage right here that starts in verse number seven, you might see in your Bibles, it's, it's in quotation marks because it comes from Psalm 95. And what it's talking about is this place in time where Israel, the chosen people of God, the people that God chose way, 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 way back in Genesis, the people who eventually would bring the Messiah, Jesus, that's who he is writing about. And so what we're going to do this morning, if it's, if it's good with everybody in here, is we're going to do a little recap of the history of Israel. And get this, we're going to do it fast. We're going to go Genesis to Deuteronomy. So y'all going to bear with me. Everybody okay with that? Everybody going to bear with me? All right, we're going to start in Genesis. So in Genesis, God gives Abraham a promise in Genesis 12. He says, I'm going to give you two things. One, I'm going to make you a great nation. Abraham looked around. I don't have any kids. How am I going to be a great nation? And he said, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a place to lay your head at night that's going to be yours. And so God gives this promise to Abraham. Well, Abraham does have a son. It's awesome. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has a bunch of sons, one of which is Joseph. If anybody remembers, Joseph, the coat of many colors. Well, Joseph's brothers got jealous of him. Anybody here ever get jealous? I think we do sometimes. He got jealous of his brothers, or his brothers got jealous of him, and his brothers took it way too far. When I was jealous of my siblings, me and my brother might get in a little fight. But what they did is they sold him off to work in a different land. They were so jealous of Joseph that these brothers sold him off into slavery in Egypt. Well, God was working in all of it. And so Joseph, even though he goes through a lot in his life, Joseph ends up being the person 
who helped save the nation of Egypt. And all the Israelites, they come to Egypt and that's where they grow and where they live. Now here's the problem. Joseph dies. People forget about Joseph. They don't know who Joseph is anymore. And so the nation of Egypt, this is sad, they enslaved the people of Israel. And so this chosen people by God that God has given his best to are enslaved in Egypt. And they begin to cry out for God to save them. God, save us. God, save us. And they had been in slavery for 400 years. And God answered. God answered with Moses. So he sends Moses and and God does all these miraculous things through Moses. And he does all of these signs and wonders in Egypt. And he frees the people of Israel. Yes, we're finally out of slavery. We're out of Egypt. Let's go. And so they make their way out. They, they get going out. And what immediately begins to happen? Here's, here's where it gets interesting. The people begin to complain. Now, I don't know if anybody here ever likes to complain, but I think that's a pretty common human thing. The people in, in Israel, they begin to complain, even though God's done a lot for them. God's done signs and wonders in Egypt. God has saved them from slavery. He's brought them out and they begin to complain. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty, God. (laughs) And so you know what God does? He sends them sweet bread from heaven. That sounds pretty good, right? I I would try it. I think I would. He he sends them this sweet bread from heaven that they can get every single day. And get this, what happens? It's so crazy. They get to a point, they've eaten bread for a little while, and they say, you know what? I don't want that. I don't want the bread. Has anybody here ever cooked for somebody? Maybe it's your kids, and, and you've spend all this time and and get over this meal. And then they say, I don't want that. I want some McDonald's. I want something else. Well, the people of Israel did that. They said, God, I don't want that. And so, man, God was so patient with them. He sends them meat. He, He gives them places to drink. He does so much for them, but they complain over and over and over and over again. And, and then it, it gets really tough because Moses goes up on this mountain to talk to God and all the people are below. And Moses gets the 10 commandments there. He's talking to God. He's figuring out the laws of the people. It's this great moment where where God speaks into the life of Moses. And Moses comes down the mountain. He finds a very different scene than when he went up the mountain. He finds all his people, all the Israelites, these chosen people of God, who God rescued from slavery. He finds them partying and worshiping a false God that they've created. They took all this gold and made this big old bull and they started, they started worshiping it. And so it says, Moses comes down and he hears partying, he hears dancing, and he looks over and they're not even worshiping God anymore. Now, before we cast judgment, I think all of us are, are a little easy to, to drift from God, but, but they had done it. And so you know what Moses did? Moses took the 10 commandments. Those are pretty important, right? Moses took the original 10 commandments. He smashed them. He was so mad. He threw those 10 commandments, broke them, they were gone because he was so mad. But it's such a cool story because God still was faithful to them. God still showed them love, even though consistently over and over again, they went against what God wanted for them. They complained to God. They went after other gods. God still showed them love and showed them grace and was, remember the promise from the beginning? We start with Abraham was still bringing about that promise in their lives. And so here's what happens. They're continuing on and God is leading them towards the
the second promise he made to Abraham. So he's already made them a great nation. What's the other promise? I'm going to have a place to lay my head. I'm going to have a land that is my own. And so God is leading them through the wilderness, leading them towards this land that was going to be their home forever. And so here's what happens. They get to the place. God says, hey, send some spies into the land to see if we can take it. Now, could God win the battle? Could God win the victory? Literally, not too long before, he's defeated the entire nation of Egypt to get them out of slavery. He's provided sweet bread from heaven in the wilderness for them. He's literally made it to where Moses hits a rock and water comes out. It doesn't make any sense, but he provides for his people time and time and time and time again. He's been the one who's been faithful to them. And now he asked them to return with faithfulness. Go into the land, see if you can take it. Send 12 spies, the spies come back. Two people, Joshua and Caleb, they say, hey, we can do it, we believe in God. 10 say what? We can't do it. They've seen God do miracle after miracle after miracle. And at the moment of testing, that's in verse eight, it says the test. At the moment of testing, they don't choose to follow God into the land that he's promised them. They don't trust that God really can take the land. They wait for their children to do it. So Joshua and Caleb end up being the only ones from that whole generation that go into the promised land. Well, thank you guys for bearing with me. We went all the way from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Now let's talk about what that means for us. Verse eight says this, really we gotta get to the heart of, why would the Israelites not choose to trust God? Why, after, after they've seen him do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, why would they choose to turn the other way? God gave them a moment, they didn't seize it. But why? Verse eight says, the hardness of their hearts. The hardness of their hearts. This is an analogy scripture uses a lot for people who are just cold towards God. People who have said no to God so many times that, that they're cold towards him. And I, I wanna delve into, you know, what happens to make somebody cold towards God? What is the recipe for a hardened heart like the Israelites have? I, I think there are three main things. First, the fear of their past. The fear of your past, it'll harden your heart towards God. They were so afraid that they'd be enslaved again, that they'd be taken over again, that they let that fear get in the way of what God was going to do in their generation. They look back on the Egyptians and, and they realize what had happened and they let that fear of what happened yesterday keep them from seizing the moment that God had given them today. And I think in our own lives, we can, we can ultimately do that. We can have these fears because yesterday this didn't go very well. Yesterday I messed up and now I don't think God will let me do it again. He doesn't give me another chance. We let what happened yesterday or last week or last month or last year or 20 years ago define what we do right now. And what does God say? If every moment matters, seize the moment God has given you. You might be in this room right now. You've been a Christian for a while. You haven't read your Bible, it seems like, in years. And, and the fear of your past is destroying what God could be doing in the moment. Get this. 
God doesn't need you to do something crazy to atone for, for what you've done. He ultimately has, has saved us and forgiven us of everything through the cross. The, the reality in our lives is, what do we need to do? We seize the moment God gives us today. It's not about our past. It's about what God is doing in us right now. So what in your past is keeping you from presently following Jesus? What mistakes did you make? What things did you do or did you not do? Know this, God is a God of today. Jesus said, worry about today. Today's got enough that you don't need to worry about tomorrow. We got enough going on today. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about yesterday. Today, we choose to seize the moment that God has given us. Not only were their hearts hardened because of the fear of their past, their hearts were hardened because of patterns of sin they had picked up in Egypt. Now, you remember, Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments. What's everybody else doing? They're partying at the bottom of the mountain. They're worshiping false gods. Where do you think they learned to do that? Do you think they magically just, hey, I think we need to build a bull and we need to worship it? I don't think so. I think they had picked up some bad habits in Egypt. In this land that, that was not about God. In this land that really had values that went against what God was doing. They picked up some bad habits in the place where they lived. And I think for some of us, our hearts can be hardened because we live in a place that is not designed to bring us closer to God necessarily. We, we live in a place where, where sin is around us. And I think sometimes in our lives, and I know in my life, we pick up bad habits from the world around us. And we justify it by saying, well, everybody's doing it. My people at church, they do it too. Everybody's doing it. I don't have to really listen to what God says, but the reality is as we do that and we let more of our culture creep into our life, as we pick up more bad habits from our life, we'll become cold towards God. And one by one, the things that we once believed from this book, the things that we once held true, we can rationalize them away. Oh, I don't have to do that. Everybody else isn't doing it. I don't have to do that. And we ultimately become more culture-centered than Christ-centered. That's not what I want for you. That's not what I want for us. For us to look so much like the culture around us that we don't look like Jesus. That hardened the hearts of the Israelites. And then third, continually saying no led to a hardened heart. Here's the thing about faith. Faith is progressive. When you choose faith, it leads to you choosing faith down the line. When you choose sin, it leads to you choosing sin down the line. This rarely happens, but I think we think it's going to happen sometimes. We sit in sinful patterns. We sit in not really following after Jesus for a really long time and think that just a miraculous thing is going to happen and suddenly, bam, my faith is alive now. But guys, that's not how it works. Faith grows through small acts daily. If you want your faith to grow, don't wait for the miracle later. Do what God's told you to do right now. And you know what's going to happen? Tomorrow, it's going to be easier to choose God. The next day, it's going to be easier to choose God. It's, it's not going to be easy all the time, but it's going to grow your faith. If you're sitting in sin and you choose it day after day after day, it gets easier and easier and easier. And you end up at a place that you thought you never would be. But because you've been so hardened, get that hardened hearts, your heart's cold towards the things of God. Because you've let that sit so long, 
It'll grow in your life into something you can't control. And so what's the remedy? What's our main point today? Every moment matters. Every moment matters. Our first point today, seize the moment God has given you. Don't wait till tomorrow to fix something that is wrong in a relationship. Don't wait till tomorrow to figure out your private life with God. Don't wait till tomorrow to deal with the sin in your life. God has given you today and every moment matters. And what that means is when we have that kind of perspective, we grow in Christ. We overcome the things in our life and don't just wait miraculously for it to happen one day. It's, it's tough because the Israelites, they kind of missed their shot. They, I'm sure they thought that they were going to follow God one day. One day I'm going to do this. But they missed their shot because they didn't do it in the moment. God's a God of second chances, but every opportunity doesn't come around all the time. The Israelites had a shot and they missed it. And what we'll finish on today really is, look, the Israelites, they missed their shot, but you still have time. You still have today to make it right. The result of, of their hardness of heart, of continually saying no to God, the result was when the test came, they weren't ready. When God said, hey, do this big thing for me, they weren't ready. Because in the moment, they had spent so much time complaining, they had spent so much time dodging what God wanted for them, that they weren't ready. I want us to be ready. I want to be ready. When God calls on me to do something big, that I've prepared for that moment because every moment matters. I want you and God calls you to do something that requires faith to be in a place where you can say yes to Jesus because you have been preparing the way through your everyday life. So first we see seize the moment that God has given you, but the writer continues and he, he continues in verse 13 and, and we're going to learn in verse 13, 14, 15, that all we have is today. Really all we have is today. Here's what verse number 13 says. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. All right, let's stop right there. How long is a day still called today? Well, till it's over, right? Today is going to be today until what happens? Until it's tomorrow. Until it's tomorrow. And so what is he saying here? Encourage other people, church, until when? <laughs> All day, because guess what? When today is gone, you can't get it back. When the time is over, when that clock strikes midnight, this day is gone. And the only thing that's gonna remain is what? What you've done with that day. You can't get that day back. Much as you might want to sometimes, you can't change what happened, it's done. And so what does the writer of Hebrews want us to do? We have one day. And while it's called today, we're going to encourage other people. We're going to live for Jesus. We're going to turn from our sin. We're going to respond to God. So verse 13 says that. Verse 14 says this. For we have become partakers in Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it was said, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as when they provoked me. All we have is today. And the writer of Hebrews has a couple specific things that he wants us to do since we just have today and in this today. So the first thing that he wants us to do based on verse number 13 is build one another up. 
encourage other people daily. We ultimately exist to help each other grow in our faith. Because here's the thing, we as a church, if, if you're weak in your faith, what does that mean? We are weaker in our faith. If you are strong in your faith, what does it mean? We are strong in our faith. It's not about me, it's about we. And so our job is for the people in this room, for us to encourage each other to move towards Christ. Have you ever been in a moment where you really needed encouragement? I've been there where you need encouragement. Have you ever had someone come and speak the exact right words that you needed in that moment? I've, I've had that happen. But here's the thing. We don't have to wait for someone to come and just speak the right words to us. We can be the ones who speak life into someone else. Who are you encouraging right now in their faith? Who are you helping to grow into Christ? Hebrews tells us that if we want to overcome, if we want to treat every day like it truly matters, then one thing that needs to be a part of our daily life is helping someone else come to know Jesus. And, and you don't have to be a seminary professor. You don't have to be someone who went to school for 20 years to help somebody else in your faith. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have a platform. Sometimes you can do it better because you don't have a platform. Just through your daily life. You have people in your life that I don't have and other people in this room don't have. You may be the person who God has intentionally placed in that person's life to encourage them and bring them to him. So daily, who are you encouraging? Not only are we to be building one another up every single day, we also are supposed to be giving up our sin while it is today giving up the things that take us away from God, the habits in our life that, that go anti to, to what God wants in our life. I have a quote that I use with our students that, that I really love. This guy named John Owen said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Now that's a tough quote. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And the reason I share that with our students is sin isn't something that you can just go to when you want to. Sin is something that's coming after you. Sin is something active. The, the evil one, the devil, he is coming after us to, to help us ultimately turn away from God. We don't want that to happen. So how do we do that? We don't wait till tomorrow to deal with the bad habits in our life. Because get this, tomorrow, you're gonna be the same person. You're gonna have the same problems, the same things going on in your life. The writer of Hebrews says, get this, if we want to overcome, then today we deal with our sin. And that's hard. Dealing with our sin, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's so easy because it takes steps of faith. But I think the first step and the second step work together. Encourage one another daily, give up our sin. When we have people in our life who are encouraging us, that should be a place where, where we can share what we're going through. Not what we're going through like we share with, with people we don't really want to tell them. But when we have real relationships, we should be able to tell them what, what we're going through and have them help us. If we don't deal with sin today, guess what? It's going to be there tomorrow. So what does the writer of Hebrews say? He says, if you have sin in your life, deal with it today. Don't wait till later. Deal with it today. And, and then third, we see to respond to God. 
to respond to God. We got to do that today. The really cool thing about salvation is it, it is this one-time decision that we make, but then it's shown through the life that we live after. Because Jesus doesn't just save you so that you can be the same. Jesus changes everything. Has anybody in here been changed by Jesus? Do you remember what it was like before you knew Jesus? Jesus has changed our life, our perspective, our purpose. Jesus has changed us. And so daily we should be responding to him and growing in him. All we have is today. That's all we have. So we can't worry about tomorrow. We can't worry about yesterday. But what do you have? You have today. Every moment matters. And when we live in today and don't wait for the miraculous sign three years from now that God's going to do something amazing in our life, when we don't wait for for something to fall out of heaven and tell us we finally need to get rid of our sin, and instead we just choose, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to choose you today. I'm going to live on my faith today. We can grow in our faith So we've gone through verse 15. Now we're going to go to verse 16. And verse 16 through 19 show me that what we do today, while we don't want to worry about tomorrow, what we do today, it does affect tomorrow. What we do today, it does affect tomorrow. Verse 16, for who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. What we do today, it affects tomorrow. The Israelites were given a moment. They were given an opportunity. Were they going to follow God and see the promise of Abraham that people had been waiting for for centuries come alive in their lives? Or are they going to turn away? And, and what did they do? They missed the moment. They didn't treat it like every moment matters. They missed the moment. But here's the good news. The Israelites did miss their moment. But you know what you still have? You still have today. This doesn't have to be your story. And it's not all negative. The Israelites went on. They lived for 40 years in the wilderness and, and they grew. But, but the reality is at the end, I think it's a sad story where they could have seen the, the providence of God in their life in a way that they had never imagined if they would have seized the moment in that day. And they didn't. But we can. I don't want to wait for the next generation for God to do something in my life. I don't want to wait for the next generation for for God to move in our, our nation. I don't want to have to wait for my kids to see the providence of God. I want to experience it with them. And in our own lives, when we realize that what we do today, it does affect tomorrow, hopefully in the moment, it should make us follow God even more. Their decision in that moment meant they walked around the wilderness for 40 years and they never saw the promised land that God had given them. And and that's okay. They, They did fine, but they didn't see God do what he was going to do if they would have been faithful. For your life, I don't want you to have to wait until one day to see God do something in you. 
I don't want you to have to wait in your sin and wait one day for something to happen. Because here's the thing. This, this is just a tough reality. If we wait today, we'll wait tomorrow. If we wait tomorrow, we'll wait the next day. The same excuses are there. The same problems we face. If we wait, there's always a chance that, that we wait forever. Our hearts become hardened. And, and what I think the writer of Hebrews would tell us today, don't have hardened hearts. Don't let the fear of your past make your heart cold towards God. Don't let the sin that's around you in culture make you cold to God. Don't say no so many times that you can't hear the voice of God. No, every moment matters. Today there are a few simple ways that I think we can respond. If every moment matters, then, then this moment right here could change your life forever. This moment, today, could change your life for the rest of eternity. And I believe in a God who can change a life in a moment. I think about the story of the two thieves on the cross. Jesus is dying. One of the thieves curses Jesus. One of the thieves asks him for mercy. And what happens? In a moment, his life is changed forever. And I think God can do that in your life. I think God can do that in my life. He can change your life forever today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait to go to a conference one day. You don't have to wait till next week at church. God can change your life forever today if you'll turn to him. So I have three ways for us to respond. The first one is this. Respond in faith. The ultimate reason why the writer of Hebrews even writes this in the first place is to say, don't have an unbelieving heart. And many of us, we, we say like maybe we're a Christian, but we, we walk through life and we've never really made that decision to follow Jesus. I think there are, there are people out there that think like, I come to church, I do good things, so that makes me a Christian, but, but it's not. Christianity is so much more than that. Jesus, who eventually would come through this promise to Abraham, Jesus came to the earth and lived a perfect life. He's the son of God, but he came and was made flesh on the earth and walked and lived like we do. But he did it perfectly. And, and so Jesus went to the cross that we always talk about, and he died so that what happens is we who are imperfect can be made perfect. And he who is perfect ultimately had the sin of us, the sin of the world on him. And so when we respond, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Jesus can change a life forever. I believe every moment matters because in a moment, God can save you. In a moment, God can adopt you into his family. In a moment, your eternal destiny can be changed forever. So first, respond in faith. If today you've heard this and, and you realize you've never actually turned away from your sin and made that decision to follow Jesus, you might go to church, you might be part of a group, you, you might do good, nice things for other people, but you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Every moment matters. This moment could change your life. 
And if you want to do that, I, I pray as we finish today and, and ask God to forgive you of your sin. Tell, tell him that you believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again and, and he will save you. But please come talk to one of our, our pastors, talk to a leader, talk to someone who can help you as you move forward in that. So first, respond in faith. The second thing each one of us can do is deal with sin in our life. Guys, no matter how long you are a believer, you're always going to deal with some sin. And if I asked you, what's the sin you deal with? It, it probably would not take long for you to bring it to mind. You might be thinking about it right now. While we still have today, and today's all we have, deal with sin. And part of that's going to be going to someone that you trust and talking to them about what you're going through. Have them pray for you. And, and we would love to do that. If that's something that, that you would like one of our pastors to talk to you about, deal with your sin. If you don't deal with it today, it's going to be there tomorrow. Faith is progressive. So the more steps you take towards it, the more cold you'll be towards God. But, but third, live out God's purpose in your life. Live out God's purpose in your life. God put you here for a reason. He puts you here as part of his plan. He, he puts you in the school you're in for a reason. He puts you in the job you're in. He puts you in the family you're in. He puts you in the social circle you're in for a reason. So that you could live out his purpose in you. And many of us are just, just living our life and accumulating things and, and living like, like we're just supposed to be here forever, but we're not. That's the thing. Every moment matters because life is precious. I told you that story about Daniel at the beginning and his truck flipping. That moment for me showed me more than anything else that every moment matters. One moment can change your life forever. And, and we're not guaranteed time here. And that shouldn't make us scared. I know it makes us a little nervous. What that should make us do is it should say, hey, I'm gonna put my energy towards a kingdom that will never end. I'm gonna put my life towards the heavenly kingdom that will never, ever, ever fade away. Every moment matters. When we live like that, we truly can overcome. I'd like to pray over you in this moment and ask God that whatever decision He's speaking to you that, that you need to make that it will be done in your life. God, thank you so much that you've given us today. Thank you that you've given us this moment. And I pray for each person who, who's here, who's online, who's, who's struggling with something. I don't know what it is, but God, you do. God, we pray that you would help them to choose you today. I pray for people dealing with sin, that God, you would help them turn to you, find forgiveness and find freedom. I pray for all of us that we live out your purpose, that we wouldn't wait for the next generation to know God, but instead we choose to do it today. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you've done for us through Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. I just wanna say thank you so much for, for being here. It's so good to be in the same room together, to be able to worship, to be able to sing. I hope you've been blessed by today. 
Um, always, uh, we thank you so much for giving and continuing to contribute to what we're doing at Calvary to spread the gospel, not just in New Orleans, but spread the gospel all around the globe. We're so thankful in these moments that have been kind of tough, maybe financially, um, for, for you for helping us continue to spread the gospel. Also, we love your kids, we love your students. And even though um, right now in person is, doesn't look like that, we have online options for your kids and for your students. And so right after this today, we're gonna go to Jumpstart Online with Pastor Stephen. And parents, we'd love during this week, if you're in the room, for you to go back and watch this moment that he has with our kids. I'm praying for you this week that we will treat it like every moment matters. God bless you.